we're just trying to figure out what's next. We don't know exactly what next is. Sports aside, what is your number one worry right now? Wow. My number one worry is the health of my family. My number one worry is that my mother will die and we won't be able to have a yeah. funeral. My mother wow. is taking a long, slow walk into the sunset. I, have, I think she's uh, near that sunset now. Oh, Ozarks. Did you finish it? <laughs> no, I am on season three, episode two of the Ozarks. Oh, my God. We're not going to play college football in the fall for the simple reason. Okay, we're already recording. Great, because I always. Oh, wow. That's my, well, that's my first button I always push now because I, I don't think I've ever forgotten to push it. Maybe we did once 10 minutes in early, early, early on. Yeah, we've been good on that. How do I sound? <laughs> One, two, check, check. Oh, you sound fine. You're crystal clear modulation. Good, good, good. Um, uh, I'm ready. Little, I got a lot to say, but uh, let's pre let's talk about what we want to hit on just quickly. Just a little bit. Yeah, I ju- yeah. just, so, uh, you know, uh, at some point where I'm going in case you wonder. Mm-hmm where i'm going um we might have done it before but who cares today's today uh Mm -hmm. talk about how things might change because i know you've had your eye on the same thing television radio you know traffic reports uh even things right in in the immediate sense right now nobody can go to people's loved ones are dying and no one can have a funeral because what do you do at a funeral you hug and Mm -hmm. you kiss you get together with tons of people um and that's that, that sucks uh, a little bit about schooling and your son going to school. The yeah. spring break tweet that I saw was, Jesus. Uh, but because uh, I, I have a, I have a, a really, and my brother and I have been going over this for years. Cause, you know, he's he's really mm-hmm. changed his uh, his daughter's school a lot, which is our high school, by pointing to them to European and Asian models. Um, and uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, you know, how we gather in the regions and stadiums, and we touched on it a little bit. You have to be careful because you've got a brand new stadium. But but still, it's going gonna, gonna to yeah. be everybody. It's going to be everybody's stadium in addition to yours. So uh, we can do that. Let's just go. Yeah, and when, one other uh, thing I want to hit on. I want to talk, okay. if we can. I had a Brett McMurphy on today. Remember, he was a guy. He's at stadium now. He broke all the Urban Meyer and his assistant coach. Oh, and the yeah. Wife. People were yeah. upset with him for telling yeah. the truth. Yeah, I had him on today. I'm going to play it tonight. He was great, and it was a shocking interview. He'll, he basically told me there's no more going back to college. Like, he made it clear, like, my son's not going back to college in the fall. Forget about this semester. Ne- you know, next year. And, oh, you know, we'll get into that. Yeah, it was yeah. interesting. And then, um, and I want you to lead me down the road on you and me showing up for work and how you always, you know, and kind of rib me on showing up for work and why I take it so seriously because okay. I want to go down the road of the people who are not. And the only p- bit of sound I want to use, the one bit of sound which I have, is the Trump talking about bringing those people together. I kind of want to jump in with that. Because he brought he he met with all of the oh, Trump okay. met with all of the commissioners and bingo golf today reset the Masters because of that meeting. Right, right. Okay, uh, okay, all right. Well, with, okay, great. It's the JT and Looney podcast episode OJ number thirty two.
Wow, 32, considering OJ has such a big following on social media. Why couldn't you have said Jim Brown? I have all this Jim Brown memorabilia in my home, my prized possession. He's the greatest 32. He's got controversies in his past, JT, which I never touched upon because he's your friend. (laughs) And it was always my philosophy, not only with Jim Brown, with Pete Rose. I was harsh on Pete Rose, and then you and I became friends, and a friend of yours is a friend of mine, so I shut up about it. And that's how I roll. Loyalty, baby. It's my favorite virtue. Well, that's fun because it's the podcast. I'm really happy with this podcast, and we've been working on it for a while, and we appreciate everybody who reviews it and downloads it, and our goal is to get it out to more people. We have a couple of other parties interested in us doing this podcast on a bigger platform. So everybody who's listening, especially during the coronavirus, please share it, tell people about it. And if you like it, you want us to change it, or you want us to talk about other topics, feel comfortable leaving a note if you're getting it from SoundCloud or you're doing it via iTunes or you just want to hit us up on social media. So much new lingo uh, in 2020, isn't there, from platforms to PPE? Was it personal protection equipment? So much lingo to get caught up on these days. And I've been affected by this now. One of my fraternity brothers and best friends had the coronavirus. I was very nervous for him to come out of it. He came out of it, but he told me the story. And I was on a Zoom cast with six of my buddies, and my buddy who had it basically told the cringing story. He's a tough guy. He's a former former amateur boxer, one of the toughest guys I know. And he said on the night before he went to the hospital when it was at its worst that he could not stop coughing. He was coughing. I mean, every breath was a cough. Mm. He couldn't get in a position in bed to be comfortable in. So his back was hurting. He had the aches and pains that you hear about. And he said, quote, I know why some people considered taking their lives after what I went through. And he was lucky to come out of it. So that stayed with me, how difficult this is and how painful it is. And for the survivors who are coming out of it, it's really encouraging to know that people can come out on the other side. Yeah. And when you hear guys like that who kept themselves in good shape and who are tough guys like that, Chris Cuomo on CNN, who's always been a a workout guy, is just in agony. And so, you know, guys don't usually... Uh, put words and you know, put things in those terms, and you just most. And, and then there's other people, other people that may have had it, didn't know it, and go through it. And that's what's so mysterious, creepy, and scary about this virus. Well, Rita Wilson, Tom Hanks's wife, she sang the virtual national anthem at the virtual NASCAR race where people mm-hmm. were watching that, which was encouraging because I heard some rumors that I didn't put on the podcast, nor would I on radio or social media. When Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson had coronavirus down under, there was some rumors flying about their health and would they survive? And then they went radio silent for a couple of days and then they came back to the States and it turned out when she was on television and social media, uh, she looked great. So I was happy. Oh, are you talking about like, like the, the Paul McCartney is dead rumors back in the seventies? And now this is, it was the same thing with Tom Hanks. Yeah. And yeah, what happened, absolutely. I think was some, you know, some clown I, I, internet has turned us all as, uh, and I say us as our culture, all into uh, high school students all over again. People are bullying and pranking and doing awful things. And somebody got, uh, a picture of Tom Hanks from Philadelphia when he was dying in the movie, Philadelphia. 
put it up on Twitter, and then the rumors exploded. And that's, you know, that's, that's the 2020 life that we lead now. Well, as we give you these really uncomfortable numbers and we pick up the podcast from what we did last time, I've been pretty emotional about this because of a friend being involved and having parents who are 81 and 80 and my niece who hasn't been feeling well and other people that are sick or people that just have more anxiety because every time they sneeze or they have a sniffle or they have an ache and pain, they're thinking, is this the beginning of something? Yep. The whole world is dealing with this. So we're all, I, you know, I mostly deal with sports when it comes to media and podcast and radio shows, but I understand the anxiety level from consuming so much media on the coronavirus, on top of the sports coronavirus news, Tom, that a lot of people are on, on edge. They're trying to stay healthy, trying to do the right thing as people are nervous. Now, now we're wearing a mask. I wore a mask for the first time. I was comfortable doing it. I left the house. I got in the car with the mask on. I took it off in the car. Don't know if that was right or wrong. Got to the studio, put it on. And then when I had a talk, I took the mask off to do radio, but as soon as I was done, I put the mask on to go back in my car and come home again, and that's that's the new normal for me going forward. Yeah, I went to the store yesterday, and I didn't take the mask. I forgot. Got them right near the front door, but I'm not used to it. And Mm -hmm. I'm happy to report that when I got to the store, everybody at the store, and this isn't a a millionaire's store. This is probably a lower middle-class store. Uh, not far from the house. Where do we go shopping for our groceries? All the advertising, all these places do. You go to the one near your house, right? (laughs) They can advertise all they want. But nevertheless, I was the only one in the store without a mask. So that peer pressure will remain in my head, which is great. People are really cooperating in this big megalopolis that I live in, in Los Angeles. And that's really to see, unlike a lot of other high school hall monitors, on uh, on social media, I have nothing to report. I uh, when I, even when I'm walking or I'm hiking, and there is somebody coming down a sidewalk or a trail near me, everybody separates uh, respectfully and kind of gives a nod, a friendly nod, an agreement that we're all in it together. So I like what I've seen as far as that. But as far as the stress level, you're absolutely right. And I didn't even realize it as much until I left a voice message uh, for my godson who was turning 17 and i was telling him about the day he was born i love telling him the story and sometimes children don't always appreciate it at the moment but it still goes in as love and that is if you tell them every detail about the day they were born you know it'll make them feel loved and so i was telling him about how he's driving down sixth street and his dad called me and said what should i name my son and i said tiger because <laughs> it was 17 years ago tiger woods was on top of everything and and um, he never named him Tiger, but I was telling him that I was at 6th and Western heading east, and I was giving him every detail about the day he was born and how much fun it was. And I started to weep as I was telling the story, and uh, almost like the Seinfeld episode. I said, "What? What? what is my, why is my face wet? <laughs> what is this discharge? And I think it's because all of the pent-up worry, energy, anxiety that we're all going through. Uh, collectively, that it was just, I was sentimental and I didn't get, you know, I'm not talking to people. I'm not seeing people. Uh, when I do go to the store, I'm talking the ear off of the guy or the woman working, you know, JD, who works, who works at Food for Less and, uh, and Alma. So uh, it is one of those things that we're all going through, the collective anxiety we have about the old people in our life and the babies in our life. It's a very difficult time.
It is difficult. And for me, I've been able to host my radio shows from a studio. And I brought this up last time. Mm -hmm. So everything's been set up in my home. This is the podcast studio downstairs. I have what's called the brick link, a Comrex box to do radio. And I have this new thing called the roadcaster to do other work where I can just go up and press a button and record like 10 or 15 minutes of content and then put it into a Dropbox and send to my producer for Sirius XM and boom, I got 15 minutes of content to mm -hmm. plug in to a radio show because instead of being live for four hours a night, and I'm really humble and thankful that I have this platform. I'm doing a two hour radio show that's played as a four hour radio show, but I've been leaving the house every day during the coronavirus, knock wood. And I've been hoping that going into a studio which has been sanitized and clean and I'm cleaning it with wipes and Lysol and really understanding what I need to do and working with someone closely. I'm doing it because I'm more comfortable. I'm more comfortable doing radio in a studio than I am from home. So I got a lot of mixed emotions every day because part of me is saying, why am I leaving my home, even though right. I'm healthy for now with my wife and two sons and doing this, because I believe a lot of people who have the ability to go to work in an environment that is safe, or at least you believe it's safe, you should be able to go to work if construction workers are doing it and nurses and doctors. And what I do is so minuscule compared to those heroes. People keep telling me, JT, thanks for the normalcy. I'm like, stop. It's more normal for me to be on the radio to hear people and talk to people. But my point is the anxiety levels up a little bit because now the numbers are spiking from New York to Los Angeles. And I'm wondering if I should be in the house other than my walks every night when I want to get some fresh air by myself. Yeah, you should leave the house as infrequently as possible. And you know what? I'm anchoring the news on the weekends at KABC in Los Angeles from home. And I didn't know if I would like it. And I love it because it's a 35-minute drive at 5 in the morning that I'm not having to do. Instead, I'm waking up at that time. I'm waking up at the time I would normally arrive at the studio. And, you know, as driving's a big thing in L.A., of course, or it was. And then when I'm done, I'm done. And I'm here. So I think you might want to just to, to try it out, you know, because you've done, you've done enough Hooters remotes. In your life <laughs> you know what it's like to do a radio show from, uh, from uh, something other than the studio. I think you'll end up liking it. And I certainly did. I didn't want to do it. The last, the first weekend I was allowed to broadcast uh, from KABC from home, I I still wanted to go in. And at the last minute, I thought, well, I, I'm going to appreciate that 45 minutes extra of sleep. Instead of getting up at 4.15, I was waking up at 5 of 5. And there's a big difference there. And I love it. And so I think, uh, I, just on a personal selfish note, you should try it out. Because I think you'll like it. But there's a lot of times, don't you think, not only are uh, we're going to get to schools coming up, our, the, the way we do so many things, including going into work, is going to change so much with so many companies thinking, well, if I don't have to pay you know, $82,000 a year or $820,000 a year to have that 14th floor uh, office in the first interstate building, or the 87th floor in the first interstate building and pay $800,000 a month uh, 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 in rent, I can just have everybody work from home, pay their own rent, and save a lot of money. There are so many companies. Mm -hmm. 
that are going to change everything, change the way they do things, not only because we have to because of our health, but a lot of companies who don't care about our health but care about the bottom line are going to change the way they're doing things. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I will uh, give a little pushback because I don't yeah. think that you could have productive companies with people working from home as an overall mass majority. I don't believe that. I, be, I believe the people, when they leave their home in the morning with their coffee, get on the train, drive to work, commute, and they might get their mindset ready to go to work and get into the building parking lot, get in the elevator, go to work. I think they're more productive than working from home with their pajamas on or T-shirt on and then leaving the dog and then going into their office. I will always believe that. Now, mm -hmm. I understand that there are many people that are highly productive, especially right. millennials and younger workers that can fire up their laptop and do all their coding from her home, and I get it. But the American economy is fueled by people who are going to work. They're going to an office. They're going to a factory, they're going somewhere to work in an environment, and I hope that doesn't change anytime well, soon. But you bring up a really good point. Yeah, the American it's economy is going to change. Yeah, it was once fueled by horses and buggies. And buggy companies said, well, we can't get, a, we can't stop riding horses to work and stop making buggies. Americans will always need buggies. Now we don't need buggies. Things change. And you are, there is a mentality. There's a certain person that needs to get up, get on a train, get in the car, get the coffee, go into work. And others, I had one of the early telecommuting jobs in the, in the late 1990s. I was the editor of a magazine. I worked for Premier Radio Networks, a division of it called Media Base, and I was the editor of a magazine called Talk Radio Replay. It was the greatest thing on earth, JT. I lived on a boat in the marina. I owned a restaurant on the side, and I was the editor of this magazine where I would wake up in the morning about four, and I would listen to East Coast Morning Drive. Then I'd listen to West Coast Morning Drive, and basically I was reporting on what the top talk radio stations were talking about and it was great it was just a host city three or four bullet points of what they're talking about and on to the next radio station and we realized early on that the commute was interrupting my work so and all i needed was the technology that i had at home so we kept me at home and i, I became so productive because that was a cool job and uh -huh. i didn't want to lose it so i was actually a better employee than I might have been trying to hurry up and get out of work. And also, fast forward to 2020. I My last hour of work is really calm and productive because I'm not getting in the mode where I have to hurry up and finish and get on that freeway. And when I, when I don't have that mentality, I'm calm and I do a much more efficient job during my last hour of work because I don't have that in the back of my head. Get mm -hmm. this all in so we can get out of here early and get on the freeway. Yeah, people are going to change the way they yep. work the rest of their lives because of the coronavirus, and it's something yep. we'll continue to talk about on future podcasts. So as we jump around, my wife's birthday was April 3rd, and I wanted to take some time and talk about her for a second. She's an Aries. That's, that's Grandma Looney's birthday, the most beautiful people <laughs> in the world. And it was a big birthday for my wife. It was one of those milestone birthdays, and I had – a couple of cool things planned and we're going to do a big dinner party, keep it small, but do it in did. Vegas at a nice restaurant. And it would have been really cool. And I'm lucky that I have a wife that doesn't care about anything like that. She's right. the perfect example that if we can't do that, she's like, I'm fine. We don't need to do that. Right. But yep. you know, I've had it planned for about a month and I reached out to a couple of couples and reached out to you. If you can find a way to get out there. And typically a typical JT event would have been, I invited five couples 
including my wife and I, which mm-hmm. would be 12. And then the day of event, I would have had 36. That's just the way I do it. I would have said, yeah, I would have felt like it was too small. So we were going down that road and we had to cancel it, which was easy to cancel because the casino is closed. Because there's no the place to go. Yeah. yeah, there's no place to go. So I went online and I bought her a birthday cake. And it was a great birthday cake story because, as you know, I don't go to stores. I don't mm-hmm. go to Costco. And my buddies were right. saying, why don't you just get her one of those great Costco cakes? I go, because I don't go I've never to been stores. to Costco either. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't going to go with a face mask. So I went online and I found a cake store locally in town and I'm talking to the lady online. What type of cake do you want? What do you want inside? Red velvet, (laughs) chocolate mousse. And I'm like, just give me price ranges. And so she goes, we have the $50 cake. We have the $75 cake. We have the $100 cake. I go, great. Give me the $100 cake. Oh, okay. Would you like balloons with that? Yeah, it's my wife's birthday. It's a big one. I'll have a a balloon. You want two? Yeah, I'll have two balloons. Oh, would you like her name written on the cake? Hold on. Wait a second. I already admitted I'm buying the $100 cake. Yeah, but we can put flowers on the cake. Go ahead, do that. So they do that. They put her name on it, all of that. Do you need candles? I said, well, knowing me, yeah, I don't have candles. Or my wife has it, but I don't want to ask her where they are because that would be a way of me telling her we're getting her a cake. Long story short, I went and picked up the cake the day of her birthday, April 3rd. It cost her $7,000. I mean, believe me, you and I could have had a steak dinner. We could have been at MB Steakhouse with oh two bottles God. of Silver Oak. Um, and it was weird. Because- like that. That's like Spirit Airlines where it tells you you're going to pay $195 <laughs> to fly to New York. Yeah. But if you're going to wear clothes, we have to yeah. have $50. And it wasn't a big cake. It was a small cake. I'll send you the picture. We'll put it up. And. They came outside and the gal had a mask on. Really nice young girl. She had to be in her early 20s. And she opened up the back door of my car. She put the cake in, told me, you know, refrigerated here. It's ready to be served and all that. And I drove away in Vegas and I drove down back to my house. And I said, this is incredible because my son's birthday is in May and my other son's in June. I'm in November. And I'm saying this is the first birthday that we're celebrating as a family. It's during the coronavirus and everything that I just went through to just get a cake and to have it inside our home instead of inviting all of her friends, which she deserves. She does everything for our family. But she was great. She smiled. And then we did a Zoom cast. So we sent out a Zoom cast to everybody. If you haven't done this, you have to do it. And we sent out an email and everybody clicked on and we were able to sing happy birthday on the Zoom cast with her family in Florida. And then we did my family in New York and we drank some wine and we had a great night. And it was so much fun because she understood her birthday wasn't about her. It was about the other people who are fighting this virus and just to make the best of it. And we were able to do that. Well, when you mentioned that that's the Midwestern manners, upstate New York manners are very Midwestern where she's not worried about her birthday. She's the one that gets all worked up about everybody else's birthday. And that is exactly what, how, how your wife is and the Aries that's that, that that's her that's her astrological sign i was never really into that but no matter anybody I ever slept with in my life always seemed to be so i've just got through our osmosis and my mother march 27th in aries my father april 1st in aries my grandmother my father's mother april 3rd in aries grubber the prison guard one of my best friends that i talk about april 4th in aries it goes on uh, I, I'm not really into astrology that much, but I do notice the patterns in my life. There's a lot of beautiful Aries in mine, and obviously yours as well. So one last thing on that, and I hope uh, everybody will take my advice. 
so what we did at the end of the night on our birthday was as the night got later, we were drinking more. So we were having wine, we were drinking some cocktails, and we're talking to people. And then on her iPad, she had connected to her phone, her contacts. Mm -hmm. And we started playing this game where we were just going to contact people on FaceTime video, Mm -hmm. see see if they would pick up. If they did pick up, I'd say, hey, it's JT and Julie. It's Julie's birthday. Say hi. We had so much fun. Connecting oh. with a friend in Kauai, another friend in Europe, another friend in Canada. And we just, we kept going through our phone. Who can we call? Who can we call? And the cocktails were flowing more. And so many people were happy, not only to hear from us because everybody's home, but to hear with hear from us on my wife's birthday that they either knew about it or wanted to reach out to her and say it. And then you'd love this after about five, six minutes, we just look at them and say, time's up. We have other people. We just wanted to say hello. Thank you. And then we'd hang up and go to the next group. How much fun was that? And we did it for like two or three hours. And we didn't care about time zones. And everybody was so happy. And it was just a way to connect. So I would hope everyone would try to do that. Take out your iPad or your laptop or your phone and just start randomly FaceTiming people on a weeknight or a weekend. And so many people want to connect during this time. We had so much fun. Yeah, I told you about about just falling apart when I was talking to my godson. I wasn't sure why, and it was because of the connection. And also, you don't like not having the ability to connect. Right now, there's rules. We can't fly. We can't go visit old people in our lives. If anybody old in our life is in home health care or anything, we're not allowed to visit them. We don't like having that taken away. So anybody we can reach out to. When I got that call from Julie, the first time it rang, somebody was dying on Ozark, and I couldn't pick it up. You know, we were having an Ozark <laughs> at the house. And so, and I thought, oh, Julie just butt dial face, butt face dialed me, right? Because usually it's you that calls me. So I thought, and then the second one, I uh, texted her back, and I said, did you call? And that's why, and then the third time, of course, I picked up, and we had a blast. And it looked like you two were having so much fun, drinking wine in the backyard, connecting with everybody. It's a great idea. It was. So now let's go talk about some things I'm frustrated with. Last podcast, which I think we titled it, Two Guys Drinking Coronas Talking About Corona. Yes. Okay. And got good good reviews on that. Since then, what's changed with me is I'm noticing less people, which is a good thing, the dummies in the park that I talk about, the people, the the moms with their yoga pants, the people, the dads hitting fly balls to six or seven young boys thinking he could have little league practice at the park because he's going to be the dad and help out all the kids. And I've noticed that's calmed down just a little bit, but the other big topic I want to talk about is entitlement because I'm keeping an eye on the New York numbers. And the reason why the New York and New Jersey numbers are so high is because of the density of the population, right? Where they live. So many people live on top of each other. Well, in Las Vegas, they shut down the strip and governor Sisolak was really smart to do it. When he did, because when he announced it, mm-hmm. everybody went to the strip. The strip's going to close at midnight. So everybody went right to the strip to get one more dinner in, one more drink in, and they shut it down. So the strip, I'm sure you've seen a lot of video of geese walking on the strip yeah. and you know cats and dogs now walking down Las Vegas Boulevard. But where I live in the suburbs in Summerlin, nine miles away, and there are some neighborhoods that are more affluent than others. I'm sensing that the people who are more entitled are the people that are going out more 
finding more excuses to go to the store. They have more money. They can go back to the store and buy more. And they're just not getting it compared to some people that understand the ramifications more so than others. Is it fair for me to say that the entitled people are the bigger problem when it comes to getting the information to stay inside and social distance? Is that fair? If you're, I don't know if it's fair or not, because I don't know about your particular sample size. It's only coming from your eyes, but it probably would make sense. Uh, you're not supposed to be, we're not, you know, that's why they're saying stay at home. And the meme is staying at home. They want us to stay at home. That's why the doctor the other day, uh, the female that's up there, uh, the former Obama aide czar, which is now standing there with Trump. And this is one of his top advisors. Uh, she said, even to go to the pharmacy or get food back off. She was, you know, she said it nicer than that. Slow down. Uh, don't just look for, don't just go to the grocery store to get milk. Just don't drink milk. Uh, she didn't put it that way. I am. But the point is you're right. There are, we all need to just, matter of fact, you should probably stop going to the radio station. You just bragged about this cool, fancy equipment you got. And now maybe you should use it. Yeah, but the reason I brought that up, and that's a really important topic for this podcast, is I think that people should be able to go out and go to work. And if they're working, I, I want to slide this over to fast food. I was talking to a mutual okay. friend of ours today, oh, and I picked up after I did some radio work, I went to In-N-Out Burger to pick up lunch for my sons. And it was the longest In-N-Out Burger line I've ever seen. It was like Memorial Day. Right. It was, I'm not right. exaggerating. You know how they have yep. the In-N-Out guy that comes out in the parking lot? Right. He, he, you know, he doesn't wait for you at the window. Right. He comes out in the parking lot because there's 30 people online. And I was talking to a friend, and I'm like, this is insane. And he goes, why do we have so much trust in fast food workers who are going to work? And we believe they don't have the virus. They're preparing our food. They're on the line making it. They're wearing gloves, thank God. And then they give us our food through a window wearing gloves and we go home because the fast food workers, they are really important. Those are the people that I believe are going to work, Tom, more than any other group combined. The fast food workers are all there at Burger King, McDonald's, in and out. They're everywhere. Oh, uh, yeah. And guess what? About dec a decade ago, maybe even longer, uh, during a political weenie debate that we had here in America, they wanted a living wage. And people were saying, people who work in fast food don't understand. It's a stepping stone. It's not a lifestyle. And, you know, people, so some people started finger wagging. Now they're going to have a lot of clout when this is over. Because they shouldn't be making $15 an hour. They should be making 30 because they've kept us fed all this time. There are people who need a payback. People were Kevin at 7-Eleven over on the corner where I live. He's in there working with all working with the general public. We look, we've looked, the people we've looked down on are now feeding us. The McDonald's worker, uh, the Burger King worker, the In-N-Out Burger worker, or whatever your favorite fast food place is that you may have indulged in. Since this started, people who uh, have, people have spoken about pejoratively are now keeping our culture fed. And I'm so glad we're getting to salute some workers and maybe we'll do it in an NFL game. Remember how I said we only salute military and police and not like there's only two occupations in the whole country and right. all these football games. It was all the kind of the overreaction to Colin Kaepernick. Well, now we've got to start saluting at these NFL games with these expensive flyovers. Uh, we've got to start saluting the people who fed us from McDonald's uh, and people who are uh, the nurses. How about a nurse? How about saluting a nurse 
and the doctors that have done so much, we're starting to appreciate the people that were invisible to us before. Yeah, I talked to one of my buddies. Uh, my buddy has a daughter who left from one state to go to another mm-hmm. state to help out. A, a professional, a nurse, who was able to leave because they're they're not in a hot spot and go into New Jersey, to be exact, and help out at a couple of the hospitals there. And you're right. I think they're going to be saluted. They deserve all oh my God. of this positive coverage. To be a nurse or a doctor or an emergency worker, a fireman, a police officer, and to come up on a group of people to help people that need help to get into an ambulance or get to a hospital, then you walk in. I spent a lot of time in January and February, as you know, at a hospital right. with a buddy of mine who was ill. And I never took for granted, but every time that I went, to this hospital to see my buddy, I would check in the same way with my ID. And the last couple of times that I went to see him, I had to check in outside where people were wearing masks before I could go inside because the hospitals were getting the first idea that the coronavirus was coming and it was coming big. And all those people, anyone who goes to work in a scenario where they know people where they're going to have the virus or most likely have it, and they're healthy and they're going into that environment, we can't thank them enough. That's very heroic. My friend's sister is an emergency room nurse in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and she also had a heart transplant three years ago. People who have an organ transplant, let's use a sports analogy, Alonzo Mourning, remember, had a kidney transplant. When you have an organ transplant, you're not allowed to have an immune system. Because if you have a healthy immune system, your body will say, what's this foreign kidney? What's this foreign heart? And it will reject it. So some of the people who have pre-existing conditions are healthy surgeons in Philadelphia and doctors in Philadelphia, like my friend's sister who has a heart transplant. She takes special drugs to keep her immune system low and weak. And so, but she's on the front lines taking care of people. It's people like that that are just amazing. And, you know, it's one of these things now we have a new appreciation for, you know, we politicize a lot of things in this country uh, because that's just the way uh, things have gotten and probably the way things have always been, but this is the time we're alive. And that, you know, you can't believe the news media and doctors are a bunch of liberals who are trying to brainwash us. Uh, Scientists are a bunch of liberals who are trying to brainwash us on global warming and doctors are scientists. Well, now, who do we have to listen to? We've got to listen to the we've got to listen to the page one journalists and the media and the doctors to get our information and put down our political weeniness. A couple other big things we want to hit on. Notice we've gone this long on this podcast and we have more left and we've never once mentioned, not once, when sports is coming back. I know. And this is big to me because I'm working in a business now with Looney where everybody's got an opinion on the calendar. Now, I live out of a calendar. I have a black book calendar that I look at every day. And I look at what I have tomorrow, the day before, this and that, and I live out of that. Now, I'm looking at it more than ever because with my shows, I'm booking guests to come on to talk sports. Very easy. Because most of the people that I reach out to could be Chris Myers, George Sedano, some NFL writer. They all get right back to me. Yeah, (laughs) they all get right back to me. Sure, I'd love to come on because anybody who has content wants to get it out. So they'll come on the radio. But the president on Saturday had a teleconference with all the commissioners in the major sports world. All of them. It was a really big deal. They want to get back. They got to get back. They can't do this. 
was just an open dialogue about getting the economy and getting the country back on track. And I don't talk politics until politics gets into sports. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I thought that was a really good decision because our government realizes that our sports economy is so enormous that if we're going to open up other businesses and open up other trades, we got to get entertainment going. That would be music, movies, and sports. So they had that conversation. And then what do you know? On the Monday after that April 4th Saturday teleconference, the golf world comes back on Monday and the golf world says, we're ready to go with new dates for the U S open, the masters, they canceled the open championship, the open. open. Yes. It used to be the British open. Now it's the open. So they were able to bring golf back, or at least they're trying to do that. And here are some of the dates. So the PGA championship, August 6th through the 9th, U S open September 17th through the 20th, the masters, this is really deep. The Masters, Augusta National, November 12th through the 15th. Wow, weird. Now, re- the reason why golf organizers put out these dates is because of the conference call they had with the president. They felt confident enough after that conference call, hearing that our federal government wants to get things going again. And of course, if it's not safe to do it, they won't do it. But they're optimistic about opening up the calendar. And I give golf. Credit. Golf golf jumped in and said, okay, thank you. Here are our new dates. Do you support that, Tom? Because I find it very encouraging. Well, here's the thing with golf is you don't necessarily need people there. Uh, Everyone playing golf is six feet away. You're not guarding a guy and your face isn't buried in his armpit. So you, so golf is probably the safest sport where well, maybe because you're not you're not even touching the nobody's touching the same balls, all that. So and if the caddy is and he can wear a glove, there are so many ways to play golf without infecting others. That's one of the ways that we can get some sports and entertainment on television. Yeah, I support that for golf. I don't I think we've got to stay inside. I think we're all going to be staying inside till probably June 1st. Uh, yeah, we can get some economies going again. But everything's going to have to be adjusted. Everything. It's amazing. Uh, there's going to have to be, a, I'm guessing they're going to have to put a freeze for months on mortgages, credit cards. Uh, I know my, uh, my credit union sent me an email today. So if you want to put any freeze on any loans and any payments uh, on a month by month basis with no, no fees, uh, then uh, no penalty fees, then just let us know. So that's going to happen with a lot of rent, everything. There's so many things are going to have to change that are more important than golf first, but you wanted to bring it to sports at some point, and I think golf is the safest. I don't know about football, uh, at least in terms of having crowds there. Uh, the NFL, but, you know, the NFL, boy, you're trained. There's a lot of sweat flying out there, and you know what it's like down on the sidelines. You've been down there. Uh, that's about as physical as you can get. Uh, uh I do think if any sport comes back first, you can see golf made that announcement, mm-hmm. but it's not, you know, it's not that popular when it, that's, that's, that's a micro sport, mm-hmm. a macro, the big sports, it's gotta be football. That'll probably come back first in September. Don't you think? Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope yeah. that football would have the opportunity. So let me move over to another conversation I had with Brett McMurphy from oh, stadium. Yes. Now, yes. Brett McMurphy is one of the best college football Analyst, and he spends a lot of time talking about 
the problems in sports and a lot of the drama and some of the transgressions. He's the guy that broke the Urban Meyer story, yes. right? Back in the day, yeah. The Urban Meyer story. And whenever there's a problem with a college coach or something happens, Ohio State was the big one. Well, anyway, I interviewed him, and it was jarring. Oh, I, I got some of it right here. Let me push this button. I'll play a sound bite from it. We call it a sound bite in the radio business, JT, a sound bite. We're not going to play college football in the fall for the simple reason that I don't think these university presidents are going to be okay and say, you know what, all of our tens of thousands of students from all over the world, it's now safe to come back on campus, come on back. I don't think that's going to happen. I think what's more likely to happen is these major universities will offer online classes only in the fall. So if the student body's not on campus, neither are the student athletes, and so therefore you can't have football. There's 130 FBS schools, obviously 65 of those in the Power Five. I find it hard to believe that every single one is going to say it's safe to come back. I have a son who's a freshman at Oklahoma. He's home for the rest of the year. And he basically told me in the middle of the interview, well, don't plan on him going back in the fall. I was like, what? And he started to paint a picture for me of how college football, there are so many college, college universities, so many school presidents and chancellors and dean of students and so many names out there. You can't keep track of them all. And the NCAA, that there's no way that the Pac-12 is going to agree with the SEC or agree with the Big Ten or the ACC. And he doesn't believe that we're going to come back without a vaccine. And if that's the case, he was basically telling me, even if your kid's not an athlete and doesn't play Division One football, don't plan on your child going back to school next fall because they don't think they're going to have the ability and the resources. Get ready for May or June for possibly a university to contact you if you're a parent saying, we don't think it's safe enough to come back. That was jarring. That was the first time I talked to someone who told me that, and it went right through me. And I felt to myself, man, it's much worse, the health of the American people and around the globe. But if my son misses his freshman year spring semester and then his sophomore year fall semester, it's going to really hurt. That's a game changer for a lot of students around this country. Yes, it is. Here's the upside for your son. His brain will be two years more mature if he yes. goes back for his freshman year and he should be a junior. <laughs> that will be that's one good thing. He will have gotten a lot of things out of his system and he won't be as crazy as some of the real freshmen are that are 18, uh, which he is now. Uh, that, but you're probably right about that because they have their own health. Uh, you know, you have your own nurse in college and your health care is taken care of as part of your tuition. And they're going to want healthy students and not students who are poisoning each other with a virus. And they're going to want I, I didn't think of that. They're going to want the vaccines on their campus and ready to go or the medicine on their campus and ready to go. Respirators on their campus and ready to go with their campus associated hospitals. You know, I, I do think that there's a lot of things like that because we, we're worried about today in the macro sense. Uh, the big picture stuff, like even the NFL, uh, college football, because that involves college football and people wanting to send their kids who don't play football, which is most people into a dorm situation and, you know, party situation and and lots of kissing going on in college, et cetera, where uh, do you want to send your kid into that Petri dish or even if you will let it happen uh, and worry about it, will that college be open so much? Is going to change so much that I didn't think about until you mentioned mm. this interview. Wow. 
Yeah, there's a lot of things coming at all of us. We're trying to figure out when the calendar is oh, going to reset. Oh. And we just don't and you know. know what made me th- made me think of is mm-hmm. I had a, a, a kind of a secret radio project I'm working on with a big radio muckety muck. Yes, because remember tell. You, you wanted to do the podcast uh, a couple of nights ago, and I said no, I'm doing something at uh, at that time, and well, I'll tell you off the air about it. But uh, one of the things he asked me, he says, "Can you? We might do." Remember when Fox Sports Radio went on the air and our first affiliate was Binghamton, New York? You know, you, usually when you start something, you, you get a medium-sized city or a small town and you launch the radio format there. He said, so would you be willing to go to this city in Nebraska for a while just to uh, to help me run this operation? And at the time, I said no. <laughs> but now I'm taking a look at you know, at the COVID-19 virus numbers and what if there's, what if this becomes a way of life and there's other viruses in the future? And I'm thinking, well, maybe living in a city where your neighbor is uh, 8,000 feet away (laughs) might be a better idea than the city I live in now. I never would have considered it, but now things have changed and I would consider living at least for a brief period and trying to launch this project in a small town in Nebraska that never would have entered my mind before. How many people like that right now are thinking the same way that I am? Well, it comes back. We're both New Yorkers. You're from Elmira, New York. I'm from Massapequa, Long Island. And I'm really thinking heavy because the news I consume every day is mostly about New York. It's yep. Governor Cuomo's press conference. Your parents in New York or Florida right now? Well, they're in Florida now, which I'm very okay. happy. And I'm happy that they're interested in staying in Florida. Okay. But remember, the numbers in Florida are going to spike because of the spring breakers and the way Florida hasn't closed all their beaches and different counties. That's a fascinating. And it's going to kill people in Florida because they're old. Florida's an old state. Well, with, yeah. with Florida, Florida, you, sometimes you think Florida's getting it right. They're not because... Instead of having a statewide shutdown, they're letting some of the counties figure it out. So my in-laws live in a town where you can go to a beach 10 minutes away where a beach ends on a county line. Mm -hmm. And on one side of the county line, no one's allowed on the beach. And on every other side of the line, you have people that are congregating, hanging out and hanging out on the sand. And it's chaotic that we're not on the same page. And we still have that states in the Midwest. There's still a few of them left. That don't have a shutdowns going on. It, yeah. They just won't. When people don't see it around them, people need to see, feel, and touch something. And when they don't think it affects them, that's when you get into the grassy mm-hmm. knoll, which we have visited, and the conspiracy theories about that it's mm-hmm. the media, that it's the hype, that and they got some early bad information that the flu is worse. And and so there are people when they don't see it around them, that's just human nature, when they don't see it around them. And this is goes back to in our culture, we have a big thing, you know, small towns versus big cities anyway. And this is just another one of those areas where if people don't see it around them, can't see it, feel it and touch it. This happened during the early days of AIDS. People thought, well, I don't know anybody who's gay. I don't know any eight, uh, intravenous drug users. And that's why gay people in San Francisco started. You know, Harvey Milk said, hey, you got to start telling people you love you're gay. Uh, because that way they'll know somebody who is, and we can get drugs for this. And then massively people started to come out of the closet because they needed medicine. And in this case, almost everybody knows an old person because that's who it's really killing. And so it's gonna, we're going to move faster on it because we all know an old person. 
Uh, and so uh, fortunately in this case, and with mass media now that we didn't have in the early days of HIV and AIDS, that uh, people are gonna learn a lot faster that it's real and you have to isolate. But mm -hmm. as you, coming back to what you're saying, in small towns sometimes where people live further away from each other and are less affected, they don't realize it affects them until someone drops dead. And that's about it here, Tom, because there's a lot of people that are listening to us that are going down different roads. And we know that all of our listeners here on the podcast, those that are listening to you on the radio in L.A., me on Mad Dog Sports Radio or in Vegas locally, we're just trying to figure out what's next. We don't know exactly what next is. We don't know if sports are going to come back sooner or later. We do have an idea that the NFL draft is king, which is really helping me out, knowing over the next three weeks that I can talk about cornerbacks and oh edge God, rushers yeah. and offensive tackles who could be guards or guards who you can convert to tackles and how some of these NFL GMs and head coaches are going to conduct their virtual reality. They're going to do their Zoom cast and how they're going to get through uh, this draft, I can tell you one guy who's going to have oh, an advantage. Oh, wait, you're involved in that. This Zoom cast they're going to have with the NFL draft. Are they going to have cameras over the shoulders of GMs? Yeah. How, how are they going to tell them? Is it, will this be televised? Yeah, more details to come. But as of okay. now, and Adam Schefter reported it today, they're going to have – it's going to basically be the GMs, and everybody's going to be in different spots. That's what's unique. If you're not going to have the GM shoulder to shoulder with the head coach like Mike Mayock and John Gruden, right. can they be in the same building? Will they be in separate homes? Will they be at home with their Zoom cast going on in the NFL recording that? I think that everything's going to be so buttoned up that every, from what I'm hearing, every individual NFL team will have their own IT people, and those people are going to be working their ass off uh, the right. next three weeks. Mm -hmm. The IT department of all 32 of these NFL teams and the NFL are going to have to get it right. And then teams are going to record what they're doing and they're going to be transparent. No one's going to be able to hack in cybersecurity is going to be really important. And it's just going to be, Hey, up first is Cincinnati. I'm sure that NFL network and ESPN will have, you know, video and footage of Joe Barrow. The clock will be going on in the corner. They'll have the analysts talking about it, and then they'll show a live shot, which will be Mike Brown, the owner of the Bengals. They'll show him in his house, the head coach. It'll show the GM, and they'll select their pick, and it will move on to the Redskins, just like every other draft, but it's going to be more virtual. It's going to look different, but hopefully it's smooth. There are no technological kinks, and we get a great first round on that Thursday night. This is what's one of the things that's going to change in the future by having to improvise and do these things, including the NFL draft this way, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, NBC Nightly News, ABC, CBS are all learning how to do things on the fly, much cheaper, having their anchor men, anchor women, reporters broadcast from home with a picture of the Capitol behind them. And they're going to realize, wow, we don't have to build these amazing studios, these big sets in Las Vegas, these big sets in Philadelphia or Radio City Music Hall. We can save ourselves millions in companies of all different sizes. I mean, this is just going to be a microcosm of, of the future. So it'll be interesting to watch how the NFL handles the NFL draft because it may be how we're, we're living for longer than people think. I want to ask you this. What is your sports aside? 
What is your number one worry right now? Wow. My number one worry is the health of my family. That's it. I have no other worries. Nothing with work-related, yeah, nothing financial, that. fortunately, nothing. It's just the health of my wife, my two sons in my house, my mom and dad, my sisters, my nieces and nephews. That's what I'm focused on is yeah. the health of my family, nothing else. And I, I, I'm proud of the fact that I have a wife, and we talked about that earlier, and at least I'm handling it now to the best of my ability where, I don't know, I've been doing this a long time, and I thought I set myself up not for a pandemic, but for an opportunity, if I had to pump the brakes in my life or career, I'd be able to do it. And I'm not worried about anything right now, nothing. When it comes to work-related, mm -hmm. I'm worried about just everyone's health and making sure that the virus leaves us all in two, three months. It might be 60 days, 45 days, and we're able to remain healthy and work through this. Yeah, same here. I'm not worried about myself, not worried about the rent, but my career, it all seems so silly, or sports because it makes us put things in perspective. Just uh, basically the health of people I love or anybody who has any type of condition. Uh, one uh, person with scarring on the lungs that I love. Another, my mother. Here, my number one worry is that my mother will die and we won't be able to have a yeah. funeral. Do you know how many, because my mother's 87. My mother wow. is uh, is taking a long, slow walk into the sunset. I have, I think she's uh, near that sunset now. Mm -hmm. And uh, she lives in Elmira, New York. She's in an assisted care facility, which they've had locked down since the beginning of March. So on her birthday, I had to call her. I don't like not being able to, not having the option to visit my mother. That sucks. But what, you, what do you do at a funeral? At a funeral, you get together with cousins, extended family, lots of hugs and kisses and crying, and, and you get to you get to give a great eulogy and tell great stories about the faithfully departed, and that's the number one thing that people all over the country. One of the number one things that people are worried about, above financial worries and the immediacy, is the old people in their family, and as you see in Italy as well, no funerals. There's no funerals anywhere. There's no funerals right now in the United States. No get-togethers, like not considered essential. Funerals aren't considered essential. And so if anything happens uh, to my old mother during this and we don't get to get together and I don't get to, to do the most important standing behind a microphone that I've ever done and, and, and tell people what she was like, that's going to be devastating and there's a lot of people in my in, in similar shoes as my own uh, with parents in 70s and 80s and and so that's who my heart goes out mm -hmm. to that's what i worry about and i think that's one of the number one worries that people have in this country is losing an old person and not being able to give them a proper farewell yeah uh, there's no now, other way to put that i will just say that that i think a lot of people you really hit home with that because there are people that are saying, God forbid, they have to get home to see a family member. Mm -hmm. Are the are the airlines still flying at a rate that you can get home? Right. Probably. Probably. You can probably get a flight home. Or would you have to drive or would you have to drive cross country? Would you have to drive half the country? And then if you were able to get home, would you get home in time? Or would you be able to see someone if they were in isolation or anything like that? So or should you see them after flying on an airplane? Yeah. Uh, my friend Doug McIntyre, longtime talk show host in Los Angeles, had to fly to New York into the belly of the beast because his 95-year-old mother fell down in her apartment in Manhattan. 
and uh, and she needed someone. She she won't be able to return to that apartment. They're going to have to put her in a an assisted living facility, and there's no one else to do it. And he was thinking, well, it was damned if he did, and damned if he didn't. Get on a plane, which isn't a healthy thing to do. Fly to New York, hug mom, which isn't a healthy thing to do, and hang around mom, which wasn't a smart thing to do. But there was no other choice. So many people, an incredible, real circumstances like that that are so much more important than, you know, uh, is the NFL going to kick off in September? Those are the real issues that we talk about on this podcast. We want to thank everybody for the download. Please share it. Uh, Please get it out to everybody else. If you have ideas uh, for upcoming podcasts, because we've spent the last couple talking about the coronavirus, but we can move around. Oh, Ozarks. Did you finish it? (laughs) No, I am on season three, episode two of the Ozarks. Oh my God, I have a. Oh, let me say this: Jason Bateman is Daniel Day Lewis. He is unbelievable. <laughs> he is so good. If I had an acting class where I had to teach young actors how to how to be small, you know, and not not you know, not you know, so much so many great actors know how to do it small, how to be subtle. Jason Bateman. Oh my God, he is great. My my opinion on him will change for the rest of my life. Because Ozarks is a masterpiece. Are you Ozark? Are you watching Ozark? Have you got done? I'm done with it. Yeah, I knocked it out already. So when we pick up the next podcast, we'll put a bow, put a bow on Ozarks and we'll wrap up Ozarks and put a bow on that. We'll also talk, maybe put a bow on Tiger King. And that is it as we wrap up this edition of the JT and Looney podcast. As Dave Coelho is calling in Looney. So I just took his call. So he's here in the end of it. But yeah, we're all good. So uh, use that Trump sound. I'll send it to you today. Send me the Trump sound. Yeah. And you know what I've done with this? Is Dave waiting? Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.